Hello and welcome to The Shovel, a podcast brought to you by Property Leaders Brisbane, an independent and vibrant community open to professionals working in the property and construction industry. My name is Matthew Mackey and I'm the founder of Property Leaders Brisbane and also the National Director, Cost and Commercial Management at Arcadis. The Shovel is a natural extension of the conversations we have at our events where we share and debate ideas and inspire positive change in our city. This season of The Shovel focuses on our theme for 2020, Future Brisbane. This podcast is kindly recorded and produced by BBS Communications Group. So uh, welcome to uh, the next episode of the Shovel podcast from Property Leaders Brisbane. Um, I'm here today with uh, Barton Green, who's the CEO of the Committee for Brisbane. Uh, And in today's discussion, we're going to be digging into the Committee for Brisbane agenda and how a city deal could greatly assist Brisbane's future growth. So welcome, Barton, for agreeing to participate in today's podcast. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you for having me. No problem. So um, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about uh, the Committee for Brisbane? The committee was formed uh, 62 years ago as the Brisbane Development Association. So the purpose behind it then was a former Lord Mayor of Brisbane wanted to have some voices other than administration voices talking about what the future of the city could be. Now, obviously in 1958, it was a very different looking city. The committee over those years has been involved in, I guess, a number of the catalytic projects for Brisbane. It was uh, the initiator of the discussion for the Queen Street Mall. It uh, ran the design competition for South Bank Parklands and was a big supporter of converting that area to what it is today. Uh, It initiated the conversation about the establishment of the International Airport, got cars out of the Botanic Garden. Mm. So over the years it's played a role, but uh, it had tended to drift a bit towards a built environment organisation over the past few years, uh, simply because uh, urban designers, architects, town planners naturally have an affinity with an organisation that's interested in the future of a city. So in the 60th anniversary year, a couple of years ago, the decision was made to rename the organisation to the Committee for Brisbane. Uh, The term development has very different connotations today than it did in 1958. So I think that was a good and smart move. It allowed us to have a broader conversation. Um, Also means we're part of a national network of committees for cities. There are peers of ours in Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, Adelaide. There are now regional committee for cities being developed. So we've got a nice informal network that we get together a couple of times a year. So our brief really is to be an independent, um, I guess, apolitical advocate for the city. We are unaligned to any political party. We don't rely on government funding. All our funds come from our members and it allows us then to have some good, broad and robust conversations about what should the future of our city and region be. Excellent. Um, So you were saying there that the the original vision uh, for it was the BDA was actually uh, a Lord Mayor actually saying that he wanted to hear a different voice, which yep. I suppose back then was quite pioneering. Um, we certainly, uh, you know, from my perspective, we don't seem to have that same kind of relationship with government as uh, as perhaps it did then. Uh, do you um, do you find that the, uh, the, the where the Committee for Brisbane currently sits, you're trying to get back to that kind of relationship with council and government? The brief I've got, and now I'm the first CEO in the 62-year history of the organisation, and that's come about as a result of a decision from the uh, management committee a couple of years ago to want to significantly change the way the committee engaged with politics, or not politics, engage with government uh, and engage with the broader community. So I've got a a brief that says there are four key areas of activity that the committee would like to focus on and and we summarise those as uh, enterprising Brisbane, 
say this is the jobs and industries of the mm. future. It's a very natural place for an organisation like ours to play. Creative Brisbane, so that's art and culture, nighttime economy. A lot of people don't know that Brisbane has the largest nighttime economy of any capital city in Australia. It's it, over $7 billion in normal times and employs more mm. than 75,000 people. That's a pretty important space for us to be and, playing. And that's more than Melbourne, Yes, is it? Wow. and partly that's because we have a large single municipality um, mm. and, and we're a fairly large geographic city, but... That's data commissioned by the mayors of those capital cities last year, so that's very, wow. very up-to-date data. Uh, so art and culture, outdoor lifestyle. Um, we have a connected Brisbane, which is roads and rail, uh, of course, but also data, mobility, connectivity. That's a, an area we're playing a lot of, uh, spending a lot of time in. And then finally, equitable Brisbane, which talks to things like uh, homelessness, safety, equity, uh, inclusivity, and... Uh, Across all of those briefs, there is a number of projects that we've initiated this year, COVID, meaning we've had to change some timings and change yeah. some of the activities, but we are active in all those places. Government relationships then are critical to all of that. We seek to influence where we can, good policy making, good decision making by governments. My brief as CEO is to applaud good decision making and to call out bad ones yeah. as we see it, and, and we're fearless in that respect. Uh, we've got a great relationship with Brisbane City Council. Uh, we're a member of their Economic Recovery Task Force consultative group and um, we were very pleased at a number of the recommendations we'd made in a submission earlier this year on opportunities for economic recovery and reform were reflected in the City Council's strategic plan for recovery. So we've got a great relationship there. Uh, we've got good relationships with, with parts of the city, uh, parts of the state government, those that we need to deal with. Uh, I know we're going to come to the SEQ City deal. That's a sore mm. point for us with all three levels of government, but generally a good relationship and we'll, we'll seek to grow that. Yeah, great. Uh, it'd be very remiss of me if I didn't uh, mention the very fact that Property Leaders Brisbane is, is an affiliate member of the Committee for Brisbane. Yes. Um, so just for, for our listeners, could you uh, just outline what you see you know, what do you want from your affiliate partners uh, like property leaders? Well, this is a new category that uh, I sought the OK from my management committee early this year to initiate. And it came about really from the early stages of COVID in March this year when things were starting to get pretty scary across a whole lot of economic sectors. The committee had a look at itself and asked the question, what is it that we could do to contribute to some positive discussions about the ways out of this thing and um, I was lucky in being able to pull together a group of about 21 peak bodies and industry associations to have a meeting virtual and real we were able to have some real meetings back then to talk about impacts on our economic sector so we had hospitality retail construction infrastructure social welfare a really great cross-section of uh, peak bodies represented and as a result of that we provided a document to the state government with six, more than 60 recommendations for economic recovery and reform. But what came out of that day was a conversation at peer-to-peer -peer level between CEOs of various peak bodies who said to me afterwards, that was fantastic. I've never really sat down and spoken to people from the retail sector. I've not really had the chance to meet people from the construction sector. And um, as a result of that, uh, I saw an opportunity for the committee to have I guess, auspice a, a collective of peak bodies that might like to work occasionally together, together on areas of shared interest. So Property Leaders Brisbane is one of our 30-odd uh, affiliate members. There's many others that will be familiar to Property Leaders Brisbane's members, including the Property Council, mm -hmm. Queensland Council of Social Service, and a whole range of others. The intent is to be, have a forum where we can get together from time to time to talk about areas that perhaps we could work on together. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, great, great, great company to be part of. Um, so uh, obviously we had the uh, federal budget uh, announced on Tuesday. Um, so what do you think it means for construction and property? And I know you've made some a copious amount of notes. <laughs> well, of course, I've committed the entire budget to memory, but um, I thought I'd better <laughs> scribble some notes down on that one. Thank you. Uh, I guess a mixed bag, as it was for everybody. Um, from an infrastructure perspective, broadly, it was nice to see some funding for some significant projects, the Coomera Connector, mm-hmm. Centenary Bridge Duplication, which is been discussed at the state level for the past few weeks, Bruce, some Bruce Highway work. Um, I've made the observation on those sorts of things just recently that while it's nice to have the funding for those projects and we acknowledge infrastructure is a great uh, jobs supporter and creator, uh, including upstream and downstream, but I always question where's the connectivity to the big picture? Mm. So we're doing the Coomera Connector, terrific. What's its role in supporting the creation of new employment hubs or advanced manufacturing hubs or, or work to home sort of work from home hubs? So we don't see that bigger picture vision in modern politics. I find that a little bit frustrating, and that's something we'd like to encourage our governments to pick their game up on. So we call those out. That was good apprenticeship support, um, also great. Um, I guess specifically in construction and uh, property. We've got an extension of the first home buyer scheme. Um, I know there are always mixed views on that, but mm. uh, it, it generally is perceived as a uh, um, catalyst for increased activity in mm. construction sector. So yeah. you've got to call it out for being that. We've seen an extension of loans for affordable housing, um, no extension of the home builder scheme, which was a bit of a shame, some commitment to additional funding for uh, social housing provided by the states. But what was missing for us, and this comes under our equitable mm. Brisbane theme, no big picture idea on social and affordable housing. And, and you know, all levels of government are being asked to, to dive deep into that because it meets an absolute social need, creates an enormous amount of employment, mm. is a great injection into our economic, into our economies, local, regional and uh, national, and yet no one has been able to convince any level of government, in my personal experience anyway, to make the big decisions on investing in that significant sector. That was a bit of a disappointment to us mm. that that was missing from there. But look, as with all things, you don't know how good budgets are until several years down the track. There are some yeah. ambitious targets that have mm. been set by the Federal Treasurer in this. Um, let's see if we yeah. can meet them. But look, overall, you know, we'd give it a B plus or an A, I think, really. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Um, I suppose uh, just looking at the, those infrastructure pots, um, I made the comment uh, yesterday that the, you know, there are there are no real losers in terms of who gets the money, but there are some states win more than others. So when you look at the, the, the prioritisation of projects, um, New South Wales gets $2.7 billion, Yes. Uh, Queensland gets one3 and when you break that down further, 57% of that is tied up on the Coomera connector. Yeah. So we actually have, 1.3 billion is great, but when most of it's tied up on one project, you're like, well, what's that actually doing for the, you know, the, overall, you know, the overall flexibility and the overall connectivity of the state, as you were saying? Yes, I think so. Politicians love their big numbers. Yeah. Um, uh, for me, the Coomera connector could be the answer to a whole number of prayers. We don't mm. know that. I mean, it is going through an area that has the potential to uh, perhaps set up some great knowledge precincts or some new advanced manufacturing sectors between Brisbane and the Gold Coast. But I, we haven't seen that as part of this mm. discussion. And we are here in the fastest growing area of Australia. Two more million people will be living here in the next 20-odd years. Mm. That's a lot more than the population of 
Townsville or Cairns or Mackay that seem to be getting a lot of attention and I'm not saying they shouldn't, but I'm very frustrated as the CEO of the Committee for Brisbane that the region that is the largest populated area, the, the engine room for the economy of our state and one of the fastest growing regions of Australia seems to be missing out on areas of investment from state and federal government that would set us up for a safe and prosperous future and that's their responsibility. Mm. Um, one other thing in the federal budget is that it mentions city deals across Australia uh, and it's eerily silent on the SEQ city deal. Um, obviously it's not in place yet but I think most of the other city deals were actually in place uh, but there was no co ongoing commitment there for it or, or, or at least a mention of ongoing commitment. Um, so just because uh, not everyone's that familiar with, with what it is, could you summarise what a city deal actually is and, and how it will benefit uh, South East Queensland? Yeah, it's a UK model uh, and the idea behind the city deal was it would set up a governance framework uh, I'll use the Australian government system to best describe it, between local, state and federal government, partnering with industry, bringing universities in as a critical element of it, a lot of the research and broader thinking, to work together on developing long-term strategic plans for a city, in our case it was our, our region, that are hard infrastructure but also bigger picture ideas. So the South East Queensland city deal has been talked about now for four or so years. Um, it was initiated by the Council of Mayors South East Queensland that had undertaken some initial research and, and, and pitched some ideas. And we had buy-in from the state and federal governments to support that and create the City Deal framework a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, our City Deal was due to be delivered in June this year. It was announced uh, around about that time by all three levels of government that it was being postponed because of the impacts of COVID. Myself and a number of our colleagues, Property Council and others, called that out as poor decision-making. We've seen subsequently that city deals that are happening in, in Perth and, and uh, Tasmania and Western Australia, uh, sorry, in Victoria, New South Wales, are being supported because of COVID and they're being used as a reason to help recover from COVID impacts. We are the only city deal in Australia that's been postponed because of COVID and we think that that's an absolutely wasted and missed opportunity and we'll continue to advocate hard to all three levels of government that they need to come back to the table on the city deal. For us, it was intended to deliver um, rail and road infrastructure, significant regionally connected rail and road infrastructure, mm. housing, data, smart city, smart region agendas, improved data. There were some big picture ideas that over a period of 20 years, these were not to be delivered tomorrow. These were strategies to be delivered over a period of 10 to 20 years would help set the region up for its uh, its best future. And it's a big disappointment to us that it's been dropped. It's been postponed, to put that in inverted commas, mm. until an unnamed time in 2021. Yeah. So we and others will do our best to make sure we get that agenda back up as quickly as possible. Yeah. So uh, do you do you think, now oh, this is obviously, you know, I'm looking for your opinion on this, but do you think it was um, uh, entirely down to COVID that they've pushed it back because of other concerns or do you think it was a, a political um, pushback to a certain extent? from one or maybe you know, more levels of government. Without getting myself into too much trouble... Uh, yeah, I know you've got to be careful. We, we want to play a role <laughs> in this ongoing with the governments, but I think it's fair to say that the two more senior levels of government were blaming each other for the fact that it was postponed. Mm, yeah. Uh, and um, we were trying to say to all of them, we're not asking you to spend money tomorrow. If we do need to postpone it, OK, 
work with industry in a much more engaged way than has previously occurred to come up with the best ideas and best strategies for our region, including what we need to do recovery and reform from COVID. But the things that were in the city deal are valid with or without the impacts of COVID. There might be some nuances that need to change, but the opportunity is still there to make the right strategic decisions. Mm. With a governance framework that says the three levels of government work together, that's the critical part of a city deal. It's not having to pitch an idea between one level of government and the other. It is supported by all three levels, so the decision-making and processing of, of big ideas is efficient. Yeah. So it's quite ironic that two levels of government were blaming each other for it not happening. There might be a thing happening towards the end of October that was partly responsible for that in the state of Queensland. Yeah. So but we can't get any, cast any aspersions on that at all, No, can no, we? Yeah. others might. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, one thing that obviously with the federal budget from a South East Queensland, or Queensland perspective uh, focused on is, is road infrastructure, which, you know, Queensland has always been about roads. Um, we know that the SEQ Council of Mayors uh, are doing, you know, are making a push for fast rail to connect Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast and Brisbane. Um, do you, is that where you see uh, the region's future in terms of more focusing on that longer term rail strategy rather than continuing to do roads? Uh, well, you've got to have both, yeah. but we're big supporters of uh, what Comsec has come up with with the faster rail, whatever you want to call it, fast mm. rail, fast rail, yeah. between the Gold Coast, Brisbane. Uh, Sunshine Coast, Brisbane. We also think there needs to be some connectivity out to Toowoomba. There are yeah. wonderful opportunities for economic growth and new employment hubs in that corridor uh, to the west and southwest. So we support that. Um, we're not well served by efficient rail. I speak as a former Sunshine Coast resident that mm. commuted to Brisbane every day for many years. And when it takes you up to two hours to get from one city to another, one way. Mm. Five days a week, it adds a hell of a lot of time to your working week, and I think we can we can do it more efficiently. Rail is the yeah, for freight as well. We, we've mm. got to leave leave freight in this conversation, and that final linkage from inland rail to the port of Brisbane is critical. Yeah. We're also very strong supporters of that happening, but road has to play its its part. If even if we want to get down to the last mile discussions, mm. it's still got to be ability to move people and product from the perhaps heavy lifting. Uh, framework of rail to destinations. So we have to have both. I think the interesting part is um, what does the future of, of motor transport look like and personal mobility? Mm. And we had an event earlier this year where we had a futurist speaking and um, you're at that event, I think, I was, Matthew. Yeah. And uh, he talked about we may not have any combustion engines on our road in the next few years. We might have all these people might be travelling to and from work in drones that are people moves. I mean, all this sort of out there stuff, although it's probably not that out there. So what's the road network going to be providing for a modern society using different forms of mobility? I can't answer that question. Yeah. I, it's way outside of my area of knowledge, but I think that's one of the challenges for, mm. for planners is, well, if we cast our mind forward 20 years, what in fact will be the usage of those hard infrastructures of road and rail? Yeah, and uh, you know, not that long ago, just a couple of years ago, a lot of the conversations were about automate, uh, autonomous vehicles. Uh, and while it's going to do that, conversation seems to have gone a bit quiet. Although it's just doing a trial on it now. Yeah, um, but you can see it in the federal budget, you can see it in the state planning, you can see everything moving forward. Everyone's still talking about it, but nobody's actually doing anything to actually make it work. And and that's what you'd really want from from that future piece. That's what you want from your government to a certain extent to try and draw, you know create the infrastructure and create the planning to enable that to happen. Because I think when 
uh, I think the conversation we've had before is that when it's, uh, you know, if we autom- autonomous vehicles become more mainstream and uh, more of them on our roads, how we use roads and how many roads we need is going to change because the efficiencies are going to change as well. Absolutely. Um, so do you see that as a, as, a, as a role for Committee for Brisbane to try and think about that long-term planning in terms of what that could look like rather uh, than just continuing building roads for now, which is essentially what we're still doing? Yeah, 100%. And um, I've got to be cautious here only because it's very early stages in a, in a project we're looking at initiating before the end of the year, but it's, it's around an integrated transport plan for South East Queensland that starts to bring in a lot of that thinking. Mm. Uh, transport planning in Queensland... There's a recent document that was published by Department of Transport and Mainrose only just a couple of weeks ago, um, but for a long, long time, the broad strategy document that directed a lot of the big picture items for this region, I'm advised by people from the sector, was a 1960s document by a fellow called Wilbur Smith, not the author. Right. Uh, so w- w- we've got a plan that's very much... Um, out of date and we would like to play a role because we can tap into enormous expertise through our membership companies Mm. like yours and others um and our members have can in a phone call or an email tap into worldwide expertise and experience on a lot of these things Mm. and we're offering to governments our ability to help with that that they don't have to do all that heavy lifting there's a an enormous amount of goodwill and generosity across our membership uh, that i've experienced this year who want to play a role as good corporate citizens because they live here. Their kids go to school or university here. All their staffs live here. So while corporates are in business to make money, mm. they also live in a community and the the desire to contribute to a good conversation about what the future of the place that they live in uh, is fantastic. And that goes to things like transport where... I can tap into some of the best brains in the world uh, who will generously offer some initial advice and assistance on these things. I'm hoping we can play a pretty big role in that Mm. one on transport. Great. Um, Do you find that government uh, are amenable to have those conversations or do you still find them a little bit standoffish that, you know, it's still private sector to an extent and they've got to be careful about what conversations they can have? Yeah, very standoffish. Um, uh, All levels of government. Uh, I find that immensely frustrating. There needs to be... Uh, a significant improvement in the uh, relationship between industry and government, local, state and federal government. I find, and I, I, mean, I was a consultant for 20-odd years before I started this role earlier in the year, so I worked with governments a lot. I'm a former ministerial advisor. I, I have an appreciation and understanding of government. I have found over the past few years government's becoming more and more insular and they are reluctant to uh, share informational knowledge or even ask for help from others. This is a sweeping generalisation here, of course, but uh, there's been uh, a sense that we can develop policy ourselves and then we will present it to you to comment on. And the end result of that, and we see it often, is an industry peak body will smash a draft policy because it's poorly constructed or has Mm. been poorly thought out, where the opportunity to partner on these things can deliver much more efficient and successful outcomes. So things like a transport plan. We've just started work on a smart region strategy here, which is not to do the work of government, but to bring the knowledge and expertise of the private sector to the conversation. Um, Again, because we can tap into this stuff all around the world quickly. I'm I'm hoping that we can improve that. Mm. Um, and, And I'm not going to name this Premier for any reason other than he did some very successful things in this space. When Peter Beattie was Premier of Brisbane, he initiated a a business roundtable model where every, I think it was every quarter, he would have two or three hundred, maybe up to four hundred people from the business sector come down to the parliamentary annex and 
meet with ministers just in a social atmosphere where there was an exchange of ideas but also the development of personal context so that there was influence and commentary about government policy but also the needs of, of uh, the business sector. It was a fabulous model and I have implored both the state and city council to look at that model again mm. because there is nothing to be lost by having a good conversation with the people who drive the economy. That's yeah. business. Government does not drive the economy. It may be a significant employer but economic success it comes from the private sector it's the risk taker mm. a much bigger risk taker than government is because it has to assess uh, i guess on a whole range of different parameters but the learnings that can come between a better interaction between government and business are mm. immense and we really really need to embrace that again and at the end of the end of the day any uh, ideas that are generated from government have to be delivered by a private sector anyway so why not engage early and well well it, it's almost common sense isn't it Matthew? you'd have thought so yeah but who are we to judge <laughs> um so uh hopefully uh, and when you look at the federal budget it's you know it's what i would refer to as blindingly optimistic in terms of the recovery uh, and how quick that recovery is going to be uh, and obviously assumes bear in mind the uncertainty that we're not going to have a second and third wave um so all that you know being equal that we're not going to end up in the second third wave and think that the economy can start moving forward. What do you think the opportunity is for South East Queensland and, and, and Brisbane as we move out, out into 2021 and, and out, out of the pandemic, hopefully, touch wood? Well, I think it's reasonable that they haven't put into the budget a second and third wave, but I'm sure the planning is there for that. Mm. You've got to do a budget, I, th I think, based on what you need to do now for the near to medium yes, term. Yes, agree. I yep. don't have any issue with that at all. Um, South East Queens. I talked about governance earlier. We've got to start talking and thinking about ourselves truly as a region. That's where our greatest success will come mm. from. We have big cities in Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast, Toowoomba, uh, Ipswich is a reasonable sized city. You look at Morton Regional Council area. These are significant cities with our capital city here of Brisbane. We, we all have strengths and weaknesses, but collectively it's an enormously powerful economic sector uh, it's a fantastic place to live. Mm. Uh, we're seeing more and more people making that decision. For me, what I would like to see come out of this is the is an improvement in the level of governance across our three levels of government, mm. and we're seeing some good leadership from Comsec here, so that we start talking about the region. We're all competitive, you know. We've got tourism bodies on the Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast, Brisbane. They're all competing for each other, but people from overseas don't come for a holiday, you know, in a specific city generally mm. they'll come to a particular region um, we've got to start thinking about ourselves in that way a bit more clearly one of the frustrations i've had my backgrounds communications and marketing really in politics is uh, when i ask people to tell me um, to describe what brisbane is mm. it's very hard and you, you might have heard this saying before but brisbane is a city best experienced and not described and you've come from elsewhere to live here and make yep. your home here have as many others and I've spoken to many over this year about why they either live here and work here or came to live here and work here, and everybody talks about an aspect of livability as it relates to their particular stage in life. You might mm. be wanting to have your kids go to good schools here and live in a safe environment, or you might be planning for retirement, but whatever those things are, they talk about lifestyle. 
it's the character of the city that really actually starts to shine through. I had one guy I spoke to who came from the UK and he said, you even say thank you to the bus driver in Brisbane. And I said, yeah, well, that's right. He said, I've never seen that anywhere else. So that is a fact that Paris is coming from the UK, yes. <laughs> it's, it's the character of the city in the region that I think is our really great attribute. I truly believe that we can be known as a creative city mm. and region. There's an enormous amount of creative talent in this area and we're, we're doing some work on that. But... When we want to articulate why Brisbane or why Greater Brisbane or why South East Queensland, we're not really good at doing that yet because no. we're not a, I'm not saying we're not proud, we don't boast about it. Yeah. Uh, we just take it for granted. That's been the nature of, of uh, Queenslanders. Yeah. Um, so one of the, the outcomes I'd love to see over the next few years is that we can really clearly articulate why Brisbane. Yeah. Why should I come and live in Brisbane, mm. or why should I stay in Brisbane? And when I say Brisbane, I'm meaning Greater Brisbane and South East Queensland. Um, that would be wonderful. Mm. Uh, many have tried and not succeeded, but um, yeah. it's a project that we're just starting to have a look at, um, using tapping into industry expertise, but also hopefully working with governments about articulating why this region. Yeah, and I suppose from a you know that understanding what our brand is as a region is certainly needed from a global competitive um, perspective. Not that that's much of an issue at the moment because the international borders are closed probably until the end of next year. Um, but uh, that whole when you compare it to Melbourne, Melbourne have got like the the cafe culture. Well, I think our cafes are a lot better than Melbourne to be honest with you. But that's they've got this reputation for for good cafe culture, major sports events. Sydney have got the Opera House and the Bridge. And the waterways and they've got vivid and all that kind of thing and when you look at brisbane you know the i think the last time we had any kind of brand that was kind of heading anywhere was um was the a new world city which has kind of had its day so what is the net what what is our brand moving forward as you say and articulating that is the real challenge for us i think as a region yeah we're working on an idea of oh, and this is not fully resolved yet but streets of creativity it's it's not just art and culture, visual and performing arts, but it's also architecture and urban design. It's our research institutions. It's our gaming technology sector, I'm told, is Brisbane has the largest in Australia. It, it is has international renown for its gaming technology, which will be part of the future of work mm. using the format of gaming for training and a whole lot of other things. So there's, there's this enormous creative sector in our city mm. um, and... Our neighbours on the Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast and elsewhere also have it that I think we can tap into as a great proud thing that we can talk about that can help to influence people's decisions here. I mean, we've got the great institutions like the ballet with Leash and Swing there, and you know, Lee's done wonderful things with the ballet. We've got Choir Gamer that has the Asia Pacific Triennial, one of the largest events of its type in the world. It's larger than the Venice Biennale, which most mm. people would know. So we have these things right here on our doorstep. We don't. Uh, we don't brag about them, but mm. I think we can we can be uh, proud uh, about them and and build that into our narrative about our region. Now mm. that doesn't speak to the property and construction sector particularly, no. but it's a reason why people want to come and live here. Yeah, which supports the property and construction Absolutely. sector. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, people don't move to a region for property and construction. It's just one of the things that happens because of what's already happening in the region. That's yeah. it. You don't move to a city for a particular style of house generally. You're moving for a lifestyle. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, one final question. Uh, as a resident of Brisbane and, say, of East Queensland, uh, what are your hopes for the future of Brisbane? Um, really, that we don't lose the things about the city that we like now when we add two more two more million people to this region over the next 20 years. So I guess it comes back to my earlier answer on character. There's a certain relationship that we have between businesses in the city, for example. 
can be fiercely competitive out there on Queen Street or Eagle Street between law firms or town planning firms, but there's a collegiality in this city that I've not experienced in, in other cities really in Australia. Uh, that's just a personal experience. I do hear that reflected back to me by lots of people, particularly in professional services firms, where if you're new to town and you want a hand, people are always happy to give you a hand. Mm. So we don't want to lose that collegiality. Uh, there's a familiarity with government here as well. Uh, despite my earlier comments about some frustrations, there is a real familiarity between the, the people, business and government here that you don't get elsewhere. I've, I noted it particularly when I was a consultant when we would have clients from Asia coming here who could not believe that I could pick the phone up and ring the Lord Mayor and organise a meeting. You know, and you go, oh, well, our politicians pretty well are accessible. And I'm told that even compared to, say, New South Wales, mm. we, we have a very accessible set of politicians in our levels of government. That's fantastic. We can't lose that. So my hope and aspiration is that, that, that those relationships where we are collectively working for a common good don't get lost. I know that's quite an esoteric answer to mm. your question, but it's pretty hard as you grow significantly to maintain character, uh, a city's character. So I think that's something that I'd like to see that we work hard on and um, part of that will be calling out bad behaviours and supporting good ones. And you know, the community can do that. We're good at doing that. Yeah. Okay, uh, that's all we have. So thank you very much, Barton. That's been a great conversation. Thank you for taking part. My pleasure, Matthew. Great, and we'll see you at the next one. Thank, thank you. you. The Shovel is a podcast for Property Leaders Brisbane, recorded and produced by BBS Communications Group. If you have enjoyed The Shovel, please subscribe and review to help spread the word.